Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So we're in the last part of a three-part series called Growing Through the Storm. In the first week, we talked about how to grow mentally through the storm. And then last week, we talked about how to grow emotionally through the storm. And this week, we're going to talk about how to grow spiritually through the storm. And I have told y'all in the first week that since July of last year, I have suffered from debilitating uh, anxiety attacks. For no reason whatsoever, I have the, the best life of anybody ever. I have the greatest job. I have the greatest wife. I have the greatest friends. Like literally, there is nothing wrong in my life, yet I've been going through this. But through this whole ordeal, not one time did I ever ask God to take me out of the storm. I asked God to see me through the storm. I have been doing better. I have been doing better, but Wednesday was a horrible, horrible ordeal. Um, I had a person say something to me, and they were very snide and everything, and the people that were with me at the time, man, I, I know that their eyes got big, and immediately, you know, your hackles want to get up and everything. But I was able to handle it in, in what I believe was a godly manner. And the people that were with me just really patted me on the back for something that I didn't deserve. Because outwardly, I handled it really, really well. Inwardly, it was the exact opposite. Where there was grace and mercy in my words, in my heart, there was nothing except the opposite of that, of judgment and, and condemnation. And, and basically, I'm surprised that I was able to just outwardly say something while inwardly feeling completely different. And it bothered me. It bothered me bad. So later on, whenever I was at the house, and although Cammie was there, she was outside with the dogs, and I was, I was by myself in the house. And I remember sitting in my chair and, and just praying, absolutely praying. And I prayed and prayed for wisdom. But nothing came. I prayed and I prayed for peace in my heart, but nothing came. I prayed and prayed for strength, but nothing came. And I prayed and I prayed for help, but I ran away from it when I saw it. And you know, I think this is how David felt. When he penned Psalm 23, especially the passage that we'll end up with, starting in verse 5. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I prayed and prayed for wisdom. But nothing came. But, but doesn't the Bible tell us in James that if you have need of wisdom, that you should just ask for it and it will be given unto you? Yes, it does say that. But at the same time, the Bible also says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This tells me that I didn't need wisdom at that moment. I needed God's provision and his presence. How many times do we try to just during the storm, we pray for wisdom, not because we need, need wisdom on how to handle it. We know how to handle it. We want to figure out why this is happening. We want to figure out why we're going through the storm. We want to figure out why people are mean. We want to figure out why things aren't going the way that they should be going. If I needed wisdom for the moment, see, I would have been given it. I prayed and I prayed for wisdom, but nothing came because the reason it didn't come is because I didn't need to figure it out. I needed to sit down at God's table. I was asked not to figure anything out. I was asked... To come into God's presence and eat of his provision. God says, you know, Jesus said all the time, man does not live on bread alone. I needed to, to, to be with the bread of life. This is my body which will be broken for you. I needed to sit down with Christ. I didn't need to figure anything out. I had no need of wisdom. That's why I wasn't given it. As a matter of fact, if I knew why, I might quit. If I knew why, it might make it worse. But you know what doesn't make anything worse? Sitting down at the table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, growing through the storm... Instead of just getting out of it, running away, trying to climb the canyon walls, going back the way you came. See, growing through the storm spiritually means learning that we will be given all that we need every single time. You lack nothing. I lack nothing. And God is everything. And he indwells in us. I prayed... And I prayed for wisdom, but nothing came. I prayed, and I prayed for peace, but it didn't come. But wait, didn't Jesus say, my peace I give to you? Yes, he did. But, he also, but the Bible also says, you anoint my head with oil. 
This tells me that I have been accepted by God and he will hold nothing back from me. In Jewish customs, to anoint the head with oil meant one of two things, okay? When a guest would come into a Jewish household, they would anoint their head with oil and fill a cup with the best wine they had to nearly overflowing to symbolize when you come into my house, you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. That is one reason that they anoint the head with oil. And as my pastor, Jay Cope, pointed out to me this week, it's also a symbol of a royal priesthood or a kingship. And we share in the glory of God. You know, Jesus was anointed with oil. But what is provided? You anoint my head with oil. But what is provided when we come to that table and what is accepted at the table are two different things. Once again, God provides us with all we need. We go and Jesus says, my peace I give to you, but he doesn't shove it down our throats. He offers us his peace. It is our, it is our choice whether we walk in to the table that is set before us. It is our choice when we're anointed with oil, whether we believe in that anointing. We cannot be afraid to hold tight to this truth that God gives us everything that we need, even during the storm. We cannot be afraid to hold tight to this truth when the lightning of emotions dance around and within you. And that's what it felt like on Wednesday. It felt like the storm wasn't outside. It felt like the storm was inside. Growing through the storm spiritually means to keep your eyes on the cross instead of the chaos. I prayed and prayed for wisdom but it didn't come. I prayed and prayed for peace, but it didn't come. I prayed and prayed for strength, but nothing came. But wait, doesn't Jesus say, my power is made perfect in your weakness? Yes, it does. But it also says, my cup runneth over. This tells me that this kind of weakness that Jesus said when he said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. This tells me that this kind of weakness feels like you're the cup and you're getting runneth over. I worked on that forever. Thank y'all very much. I even set it up in the opening. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. This tells me that this weakness that makes God's power perfect feels like you're a cup getting runneth over. Thank you. 
I'm not going to quit my day job and go to stand-up comedy, I promise you that. This is what I've learned. You cannot be filled to overflowing unless you've been crushed. Now, that's, that's my life, okay? It may not be your life. But when we are crushed, we are not broken, but made new. For we are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. Of course he fills us to overflowing. Of course he does. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Of course he fills us to overflowing, whether we feel like it or not. And sometimes, you know, a crushed cup doesn't hold very much, but it can still be overflown, overflowing. He is not a half-hearted God, but one that overflows with what? Goodness and mercy. And you did great, Sandy. Perfect. I knew God was with me when you gave me that cup and it was this far from the top. I prayed and prayed for wisdom, but nothing came. I prayed and prayed for peace in my heart, but it didn't come. I prayed for strength, but nothing came. And I prayed and prayed for help. And when it came, I ran away from it. But didn't Jesus say he would never leave us nor forsake us? He absolutely did. But the Bible also tells us that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This tells me that no matter how far we run from his help or backslide into old destructive habits like, you've, like you're prone to do, like I'm prone to do, that no matter how far we run from his help or backslide into old destructive habits, that his goodness and mercy are still right there in the storm. You see, after this situation happened, when the storm was just raging inside of me, I called a friend that evening. And I didn't get but two sentences out. And then I hung up on them. Right after I said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. It was partly out of shame of my weakness. It was partly guilt because I stand up here and I teach God's word. And how can I stand up here and teach if I, if I can't even do this on my own? If I don't practice what I preach, it was partly a shame of my, of my, at my weakness. It was partly guilt, but it was mostly pride. 
So I came here to the fairgrounds because I, I, I just couldn't sit in the house anymore. So I went out and I got in my truck and I, I did not know where I was going. I just needed to clear my head. And I drove up here in the most natural inclination for me when I'm coming from the north is to turn into first entrance at the fairgrounds. And I found I found myself doing that. And I pulled over here and I parked for no reason that I knew of at the moment. And I parked right outside that door. For no reason whatsoever. And as I looked up, the screen wasn't on that door and I could see this pulpit. And I imagined all of y'all, all of y'all sitting in here, knowing that it was my responsibility to get through this. It was my job to lead the way, no matter how hard it is. And I also know that y'all are going through storms. And if I give up, what can I, how can I encourage y'all if I give up? Y'all are the ones that got me through that one. As I sat right outside that door and prayed. I'm going to ask y'all now, I, I asked Stephen to turn the lights off because I just want this personal for you. Because whenever I went back to the house, I sat down, Tyler got there and he asked me what was wrong and I, I kind of talked to him a little bit about it. He was so amazing. He just put his arms around me and just said, I love you, brother. And then I turned on the TV because I was on the last episode of season two of The Chosen. And I was 31 minutes into the last season of episode two, or season two, the last episode of season two, I sat down and I turned it on. And to say, if you haven't seen it, I'm not giving anything away. And quite frankly, I don't care. <laughs> Jesus is getting ready for the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the morning of it. Matthew has been with him. Matthew was a tax collector. And he's a very unique character in The Chosen. He's a Jew that was a tax collector. He's basically a traitor to the Jews. And Matthew is writing down what Jesus says. And Jesus walks to the edge of this hill overlooking their camp. And all the disciples have gone on to prepare for the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just Jesus and Matthew left. And Jesus is thinking about his disciples. As Matthew writes, Jesus looks down and he says... The opening words to the Sermon on the Mount. And as he goes through what we call the Beatitudes, he pictures each, not each, but some of his disciples that fit 
into these groups of people. And as I watch this, as Jesus is looking down on this camp with Matthew standing to his left, Jesus, in the series, quotes word for word the New King James Version out of Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. And he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And at that moment, at that moment, Matthew is writing down furiously everything Jesus is saying. He's not looking at him. Jesus is looking at the camp. And then Jesus turns to Matthew, who doesn't notice it right away. And once again, Jesus quotes directly from the New King James Version of Matthew chapter 5. I went and looked and I'm fixing to say it's a direct quote. Jesus turns to Matthew, but what I ask for you to do now is to know that Jesus is turning to you and saying the following words. Jesus turned to me in that moment where he was talking about people in the third person. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. Jesus turns and says this. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I'm going to ask these two gentlemen to come up with me. And we are going to pray for you Jay, if you'll stand on this side, Willie, on this side. We're going to pray for you. And I couldn't think of two other men to join me this morning that I know personally have been through the storm and grown from it. So, if you will bow your heads with us.
valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I don't know what everybody's going through, but I pray that they, you give them the provision and the protection to make it through the storms of life, those that are here now and those that are to come. Indwell in us, we invite the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us with the power of God and that we pray for the salvation that is available to all that call on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it is in His name we powerfully pray. Amen.